Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. China is always a big deal when we talk about U.S. ag exports and it's becoming a much, much bigger deal for U.S. beef. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Sorghum farmers to benefit from an agricultural innovation partnership. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Cotton planting is underway in the central Texas blacklands. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers and ranchers can expect higher gasoline and diesel prices this summer. Jessica Domel tells why. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, U.S. regular gasoline retail prices will average $2.78 a gallon this summer. That's up from an average of $2.07 last summer. Diesel prices this summer are forecast to average $2.90 a gallon. That's up $0.47 a gallon from last summer. Consumption of fuel is typically higher from April through September in the United States. The EIA says the coronavirus pandemic will significantly impact petroleum markets this summer, but less so than last summer. Consumption is expected to be higher, but will likely remain below 2019 levels. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Corn planting in Texas is well past the halfway mark. According to the latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report released on Monday, 57% of the corn crop is now in the ground here in Texas. In South Texas, the entire crop is planted and growing, according to Scott Stanislav, technical agronomist for DeKalb, Asgro, and Delta Pine. So the bulk of the corn crop across the southern part of Texas, I would say, is anywhere from the Oh, V4 stage to the V6 stage, and then it's a pretty pivotal point in, in the corn's life cycle. Uh, when it gets to that stage, you at that point, the, the growing point of the corn plant is actually up above the soil surface at that point. Uh, the tassel has actually started to become initiated and, and being formed, and actually the kernel row uh, numbers around on the, the ear is being determined. Well, Scott, I know these young plants can be vulnerable. What do we need to be keeping an eye out for right now? You know, when the crops at this stage, really, it's it's about to hit the point where it really starts to to take off and enter the rapid growth phase. And so if there's any sort of fertility uh, that needs to be put out or, or supplemented, now is a good time to get that out there before the crop really needs it. Scott Stanislav with DeKalb, Asgro, and Delta Pine in South Texas. We're selling more U.S. beef to China. James Hunt has the story. We're actually exporting 
more beef to China in a single month than we were in a whole year under the old terms of trade. That's Joe Sheely of the U.S. Meat Export Federation talking about the enormous gains being made by U.S. beef under the Phase 1 trade agreement. The big gain there was that a much higher percentage of U.S. cattle became eligible for export to China. And when Sheely talks about more of our cattle becoming eligible, he's referencing the elimination of what were once some heavy restrictions placed on our beef. The biggest concession made by China, he says, was its agreement to lift the ban on the use of synthetic hormones. Once the new terms were implemented, U.S. beef sales to China took off. We started to see the numbers improve when the red meat provisions of that agreement took effect in late March of 2020. But where we really saw it take off was, uh, say, about late summer of last year when China emerged from most of its COVID-19 related restrictions, its food service industry bounced back, its hospitality industry bounced back to some degree, although there's still not much international travel. Already the numbers for 2021 are impressive. The latest report from the U.S. Meat Export Federation shows that through the month of February, the U.S. had already shipped more than 16,000 metric tons of U.S. beef product to China this year. That's a two-month total that has already surpassed the entire amount of U.S. beef that went to China in 2019. We're expecting to see China move into the top five markets for U.S. beef this year as more and more exporting companies have now gained confidence that the market is open, it's open to stay. We'll talk more about U.S. beef exports to China in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas sorghum farmers will benefit from a new partnership. Tom Nicoletti tells how. National Sorghum Producers Chairman Cody Carson is on the program today. He also farms in the Texas Panhandle. Cody, the National Sorghum Producers recently announced that AgriTech America is a new partner level a sponsor in the NSP Industry Partner Program. Talk about the, that connection, that partnership, and what it means to the industry? Well, that actually came through a, a producer that is on the checkoff side, had some experience with them, and, and we, we looked into it. Agritech is using photosensitive receptors to target weeds and actually was done with some work with the Milo industry out of Australia. The technology was developed in the U.S., but really pushed and, and studied and utilized beginning in Australia and in Europe and, and is now coming back to the U.S. They're claiming reductions of, of up to 90% in uh, chemical applications. So you know, anything that we can do to be better stewards of the soil as producers or as an NSP member is a fantastic thing. None of us want to use any more than we have to. But to partner with Weed It is just uh, staying on the cutting edge of research and, and sustainability. It's utilizing the resources that are out there. And they're based out of Bozeman, Montana. So it's uh, great to have them on board with us. Yes, we're talking about a highly advanced precision spraying technology uh, that uh, certainly will help yourself as a sorghum producer and, and those around Texas and the country. So uh, this is a good step forward. When will this partnership effectively begin? Oh, it, it's effective basically immediately. Once they join us, they have access to some of our data and, and our help. And uh, then it's a reciprocal benefit to both parties to have them on board where we can, can share knowledge and technology and, and reach the growers that they're actually after. This is not a new product. 
Uh, it's been out for, for quite a number of years, but they have developed uh, some algorithms that make it work much more effectively now than it has in the past. And as I understand, uh, this um, technique saves water, time, and soil moisture, uh, minimizing uh, the weed seed bank while maximizing uh, your return on investment in the sorghum fields. Well, certainly like anything that, that we do that cuts input costs and, and makes us better on our farm, better stewards of the land and the soil is, is a win-win. Those comments today from Texas farmer Cody Carson, who also serves as chairman of the National Sorghum Producers Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton planting is underway in the central Texas Blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Cotton farmers in central Texas have taken advantage of the dry soil conditions and have been planting cotton. We have had uh, enough topsoil moisture that the early planted cotton will be emerging by the time you hear this radio report. Planting is nearing completion in McLennan County and will continue for a few more weeks as you go north into Hill and Ellis County. We have had what what I would call a mild weather uh, spring so far. It's been very windy, and we have have had several light frost that first week in April. Not a hard-killing type frost, but just a frost nonetheless. Most people don't even probably know we had our light frost. Landscape plants and trees still show the effects of that big February freeze. Phone calls into the extension office are primarily people calling to ask about their trees that have not leafed out. Trees are slow to respond to these stress-type events, and time is needed to correctly diagnose if those trees are dead or not. You should be able to tell fairly soon if that tree is alive or not. Uh, if you do have some limbs that pose a threat to, to buildings, vehicles, etc., then you might think about removing some of those uh, just to protect your property. Wheaton Central Texas does look good and is headed out. There is a lot of questions from producers about yield potential of their wheat after that big freeze. Potential looks promising, but again, we won't really know until we put a combine in the field and start harvesting. Pastures in Central Texas look really good. The best they've looked probably since late spring of last year. The flush of green is from our warm season plants that are mixed in with cool season forages. Uh, With moisture, our livestock pastures can offer a lot of grazing this time of year like they are right now. Pastures should stay in good shape, but we're going to need a rain here in about a week or two to continue growing and, and, and looking good. This is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. How does a fire affect wildlife? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have the answer coming up on Texas Ag Today. And cataracts can become a problem when you get older, but animals can also develop cataracts. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Getting cataracts when you get older is actually a very common occurrence in humans. But did you know animals can also develop cataracts? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. The cataract is clouding of the lens or lens capsule. There are multiple different causes and types of cataracts, and also a condition called lenticular sclerosis that appears as a bluish-white appearance of the lens and is due to aging. Lenticular sclerosis can decrease vision but is not a cataract. Some dog breeds are predisposed to cataracts, and the most common cause is inherited, while the most common metabolic cause of cataracts is diabetes mellitus. There are five stages of cataracts, beginning with incipient and progressing all the way to hypermature. There is no method to stop or retard the progression of cataracts in most cases, and cataract surgery can be performed in advanced cases in which the patient is blind. However, before cataract surgery can be performed, an ophthalmologist will perform a thorough examination of the eye, making sure there are no other current problems in the eye, and the retina is normal, so the dog will be visual after the surgery. Dogs with glaucoma or active inflammation are usually not good surgical candidates. It is also important to look at the overall condition of the pet, as dogs that are geriatric may not be good surgical candidates, especially if the dog is senile. After surgery, removal of the lens causes dogs to be very farsighted, so an intraocular lens is usually implanted to correct this vision defect. Complications can occur after cataract surgery, but most dogs seem to do well, although some may require long-term medication. Regardless, if your dog is diagnosed with a cataract, a visit to a veterinary ophthalmologist is a good idea. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How does fire affect wildlife? Jessica Domel has the answer in today's Wildlife Report. Brush piles can make good habitat for birds like quail and for other wildlife. When they deteriorate, they can serve another purpose, improving rangeland conditions through a controlled burn. Chase Brook, Collin County Extension Agent for Agriculture and Natural Resources, says prescribed fires can help landowners manage unwanted vegetation. Once you have a brush pile burnt down, it's just ashes, cold to the touch. You know, I always like to go in afterwards with a handful or a couple handfuls of some native grass and wildflower seeds and spread them in there. That can really accelerate that revegetation. And more importantly, it's going to revegetate it with the plants that we want, right? Oftentimes these brush piles, if unseeded or just left alone, can be you know, hot spots for invasive species or for non-desirable plants. And so you can get ahead of it a little bit by seeding it. Again, it doesn't have to be tons, but if you can seed it with some desirable grasses, forbs, wildflowers, you can, one, provide food, habitat, and species for wildlife, but also try to hopefully get ahead of and crowd out non-desirable species that might get entrenched there instead. Grasses and forbs, which are critical to species like quail and lesser prairie chickens, typically increase following a fire. Before starting a prescribed burn, it is important to ensure that there are no state or local ordinances preventing burning at the time. It's also important to do it on a day when the winds aren't high so as to prevent a wildfire. As for the wildlife that may live in a brush pile, Brooks says don't worry, they know when it's time to get out, and oftentimes they'll come back. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
While the bearishness continued on Wednesday in the cattle market, we closed lower in both live and feeder cattle. Part of the reason for that is a big run-up in grain prices. We finished higher in wheat, corn, and cotton. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Here's a thought for Earth Day. American farmers are the original conservationists. They preserve the land, grow more food with fewer resources, and protect nature season after season. That's why commitments from Syngenta's Good Growth Plan focus on three key goals. Helping farmers, accelerating innovation to support climate resiliency, and improving sustainability of agriculture for future generations. This message is brought to you by Syngenta as we celebrate this year's Earth Day theme, Restore Our Earth. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It has been a very bearish week for the cattle market. Wednesday was no exception. We ended up closing lower for both live and feeder cattle futures once again. Probably a big reason for that is a big run-up in grain prices this week. We'll get to that in just a minute. First, let's start with the cattle. April live cattle down 30 cents, 122.10. June down 87 at 120.05. August live cattle down 72 at 120.17. April feeder cattle down $1.30, 141.15. May feeders down $1.90, 145.42. The August down $1.45 at 156.70. Cash Fed cattle market all quiet on Wednesday. It was even quiet in the online Fed cattle exchange. We had almost 4,000 head listed. About 1,800 of those were Texas cattle, but no sales reported. An absolute zero this week. Most of the bids were not high enough. They didn't meet the reserve prices, so no sales to report. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up to 18. At 272.29, the select up $1.36 to 67.90. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan had a great sale in San Saba this last Thursday. That's Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason, and San Saba. Ken, how did that San Saba sale turn out? You bet, Larry. Had a good run today. Had a ride at uh, 1370 something Had the cattle close to $1,400. I thought overall uh, sale was very active today. Uh, I thought uh, as a whole uh, the demand was extremely strong. A lot of activity from a lot of different buyers. I thought we still saw our stock of steers. They sold probably 2 to $4 higher today. Had a group of two steers weighed four fifty at $1.95, right at $878. Another group of steers, five steers, a lot of condition on them, weighing five seventy. At a dollar sixty-nine, right at nine hundred and seventy-nine dollars on those five weight steers there. Stocker heifers, I thought over were steady to maybe a dollar higher. Had twenty heifers in one draft. Uh, they were outstanding set. Weight five thirty-seven, brought a dollar fifty a pound on those heifers, right at eight hundred and six dollars. Feeder steers, I thought overall were strongly uh, two to four dollars higher, especially with the board moving higher like it was. Had a group of ten steers in a draft that weighed seven oh nine, bring a dollar fifty today. I thought the feeder heifers were probably two to three higher. Packer cow. Cows overall were steady, had the top cow at 80 cents a pound and weighed 1,500 and something pounds a cow did. Bulls overall are steady with the high bull at 92 and a half today. Pairs and bred cows were uh, steady with good demand on a very active market. Ken, tell everybody how to contact you. You bet, Larry. Give us a call, Larry. Go 325-372-5159. Also kind of putting back in mind, next Saturday we got over 3,000.
5,000 head at the best of the best female cell. Uh, this is our spring one. Everything will be five or younger. Uh, we already got all that up on our website and everything at jordancattle.com. Larry. Thank you, Ken. Remember, neighbor, that sale's coming up this Saturday at Jordan Cattle Auction in San Saba. For Ken Jordan at Jordan Cattle Auction and Texas Farm Bureau, I'm Larry Marble. I'm the host of Walking the Pins. Now back over to the futures market, lean hogs ending higher with the April contract up 20 cents, 103.60. May hogs up at $1.65 at 106.57. Class 3 milk was lower, April down a penny, 17.59. May milk down 63 cents, 18.83, 100 weight. A big run up in the cotton market, over 200 points on most contracts. A couple of factors here. We're looking at a weakening U.S. dollar right now. That should help exports and also the weather situation here in Texas. Hot, dry conditions and spreading drought across the state. Of course, we produce over half the nation's cotton crop, so we're definitely going to affect the market. May cotton up 238 points, 84.20. December cotton up 233 points at 85.52. The new crop December up 125, closing at 82.71 cents. Dry weather, also a concern in the grain markets. We're looking at a dry forecast across much of the winter wheat growing areas of the country as this crop tries to finish out here in the last several weeks. We close with July Kansas City wheat up 18 and three quarters, 611 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 16 and three quarters, closing at 650 and a quarter. Dry weather also a concern in the corn market, especially when we look down south, way down south. A dry forecast in southern Brazil, and so that is helping to support our market. We ended up closing with May corn up 14 cents, 5.94 a bushel. September corn up 10 and a quarter, 5.28. The December up 7 cents. 511 and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas unchanged at 261. May crude oil up 270, 6288 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 53 points, 33,730. The Nasdaq down 138 at 13,857. The S&P 500 down 16 points, 4,124. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.